Welcome to the Open Bible Podcast, a resource of Church of the Open Bible in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. In this episode, Pastor Joe is joined by Dr. Philip Powers of Miller College of the Bible to discuss the topic of his latest book, Your Glory. Join us as we gain a deeper understanding of God's glory through this informative conversation. Hello, church and guests. This is Pastor Joe Sorgen welcoming you to another episode of the Open Bible Podcast. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As most of you know, here at Church of the Open Bible, we've been preaching through the book of Ephesians, and we've seen what life in Christ looks like. The book of Ephesians, like the scriptures as a whole, has a a specific focus on the glory of God. And that is why several weeks ago, Pastor Jay interviewed Christopher Cohn on the podcast about the glory of God as seen through the book of Ephesians, and specifically how we as believers ought to live life for the glory of God. And today on the podcast, I want to build on that discussion of the glory of God and look more specifically at what glory even is. And I thought, who better to further this discussion of God's glory with than someone who's written a book on the topic? And so I'm happy to be joined on the podcast today by Dr. Phil Powers, who, of course, is a member here at Church of the Open Bible, and he's a faculty member at Miller College of the Bible and author of the recently released book about the glory of God titled Your Glory. How are you doing today, Mr. Powers? I'm doing well. Thank you. It's good to be a part of this podcast. I appreciate you asking me to share yeah, I'm looking forward to this, and, uh, and I hope that this interview will help our listeners to better understand God's glory and also serve as a bit of a synopsis also for your book. So let's, let's get right into it. All right. Well, uh, just the first question I wanted to ask you was, obviously, glory is something that's talked about a lot in, in Christian circles and in churches. Uh, it's a word that's kind of thrown, thrown around all the time. It's very, a very common part of the church's vocabulary. So why did you choose to write a book on the glory of God or did you did you see a need to write a book about the glory of God or why why choose to write a book about that topic <laughs> yeah you're right it's a it's a very common word very common topic and in fact that's part of the reason uh, over the course of the last 35 years I think God has really laid on my heart a burden to write about it and think about it because whether it's in songs or messages or just uh, conversations somebody says uh, um, I'm doing this for the glory of God Uh, it really struck me that people had all sorts of different ideas of what that meant I even looked at a bookstore on shelves uh, books that mentioned the glory of God and they all came at it from uh, different angles and on one hand no one really seemed to agree uh, how you could define define glory uh whether it was uh giving god glory meant uh to draw attention to him giving him thanks uh whether in fact i came across uh one scholar who said there are so many different uh views uh definitions of glory that we can't know uh there's no single meaning one person said oh the best we can do in fact uh, not just said he wrote it in a commentary uh, the best idea for glory is god's splendor and i'm thinking that sounds really good but that doesn't give me any kind of a picture it doesn't help me to know what that means uh and it still leaves me feeling uh 
distant from God, and yet everything I see in Scripture, God wants to be known. And if and if the earth is to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, I think He expects us to know glory. So I, I felt I needed to explore that in the Bible, see if the pieces did fit together, and if so, what are they saying? Yeah, and that's great. I remember also in your in your book, you used the example of glory being like an elephant and and a bunch of blind men, you know, they're they're touching the elephant and they feel something different about the elephant, whether that be the tusks or the ears or or the skin. And everyone ends up with a different idea about what an elephant actually is because they're touching a different part of it. Right. And you you said that glory is kind of like that. Everyone has these different aspects of what glory is. But they don't necessarily see the full picture, and well, yeah, well, even in scripture, it's uh, you get a, kind of a uh, a paradox in what you might think glory is. When it says that uh, uh, John writes in his gospel, and we beheld uh, uh, his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so they saw his glory, and yet. Uh, Moses on Mount Sinai, God says, no one can see me and live. He, uh, Paul writes, he dwells in unapproachable light. So how do you put those two together? It says that uh, God's glory came on Mount Sinai, and it was like a, uh, uh, a volcano and its explosion and darkness and thunder, and, and yet we're to give God glory. <laughs> well how do we give if that's what glory is how do we give that to him it just how does it fit together yeah I yeah to no, find out that's that's excellent well then i guess how would you define the word glory and uh, and what are some biblical examples that would point to that definition of glory <laughs> well biblical examples i almost every book of the bible i mentions God's glory. So there are plenty of examples, but again, um, the Hebrew word kavod, the main Hebrew word for glory in the Old Testament, has the idea, um, the basic definition of something that has weight, importance, it's heavy, uh, like a treasure. Um, a bag of gold is heavier than a bag of marshmallows. I often use that example. Gold is, of course, more valuable. So it's it's a it's a treasure that has value. Even uh, in the Ten Commandments, we are to honor our father and mother. It's that's the word uh, kavod, glory. Uh, the idea that we are to count them as a treasure. Now, the. New Testament equivalent, the word for glory, is doxa, which has more the idea of a shining, something that um, is a display and leaves an impression. I, I don't think that those are two different meanings. I think they are two aspects of the same concept of glory, because uh, all you're doing is switching from Hebrew to Greek but it's the same author of Old and New Testaments, God himself, who is describing his glory. So your question about what's a single definition, uh, 
stating it simply first and then seeing how it develops in scripture, if we put those two words together, it, it gives us the idea of uh, the greatest treasure put on display for others to see. It has a shining. So it's the treasure that is seen, that is made visible. Um, so whether we're talking about, and there are examples in scripture of human glory, like uh, uh, Jacob talks about his glory represented in his livestock and wealth and his sons. Haman in the book of Esther talking about uh, his status uh, that the king gave him, the possessions that he has, his wealth, his family being his glory. That's supremely important to the individual that uh, represent them. That's a reputation. It's what they want others to see. Just kind of introduce the thought, though, that uh, for God, when it talks about his glory, what you ask, what's his greatest treasure? And the answer in scripture is, it's God himself. He is the greatest treasure, and he wants to be known. So he puts himself on display, a shining for all creation to see. So that's your question about definition. That's kind of what I see at the heart, the heart of it. Right. Yes. That's that's excellent. Well, uh, you basically committed almost a whole chapter in your book to talking about how man, how humans tend to view glory, and you talk about what. Uh, what the glory is that man engineers. So do you want to just explain that a little bit as well? What, what is the glory that man engineers? Throughout scripture, and as whether it's the individual or, or whether it's a, a, a nation of people, those things are, are treasures. Glory is often, the word is used to describe the things that people accumulate things that they accomplish, the goals that they set out, as well as uh, the achievements that they've already accomplished, they are the, the things that uh, are their treasure. They are valuable. They are the things that they, uh, they hold to and they want others to see. I, I, to put it another way, people are doing things in order to create a reputation which shows the identity that they hope to have that they want others to see in them oh here's a wise person here's a rich person here's a good person here's here's uh, somebody who's successful and whether it's uh, uh, family or achievements or possessions it represents um, who we are so we're always trying to to have a glory um, that shows something wonderful about us. The problem is that all these things, these accomplishments, and even, even being a good person, even having a wonderful family, uh, at death, they're all left behind. So the question is, does that mean that our our glory, our identity ends at death? Who really are we? And according to what God revealed about us, 
the reason that we are striving to find an identity, to create an identity of glory, is simply because God made us with it in the beginning and we lost it. Uh, we were made in his likeness and his image. And, and David, thinking about creation, writes in Psalm 8, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you remember him, that you crowned him with glory and honor? That So from the very beginning, God made us in his likeness and image with, now, however you're going to understand glory, with a glory that is his, that is like his. Um, if you ask, I, uh, what's the difference between God's glory and ours? I'll just jump to that thought. We're trying to accomplish or, or, or to achieve an identity. God's glory starts with an identity. An identity that is perfect, complete, and eternal, and... <laughs> which he gave to us at the beginning, but was lost in the fall in our sin. And ever since then, we've been trying to regain it. Even if the first attempt was a, a, a treasure, a, a glory of fig leaves. <laughs> but really our identity from the fall on has been marked by death and a separation from God. That's why we can never be satisfied with whatever glory we think we can accomplish. And in your book, you had a, a really helpful diagram as well, where basically uh, it has who I am on one side and a big question mark, and then leading to who I am, you had what I do with, with our treasures. Our treasures are, as people, are often in what I do or what we have or what we accomplish, as you've been saying, and that leads into our identity. But on the yeah. other side of it, as you said a little bit there, the glory of God is the opposite. Who he is, is his treasure. And that goes to what he does. And that's how his glory is seen. Right. And uh, that, that was really, really good, really helpful to, to see those diagrams. And, uh, and so I have a question for you then. How is it then in scriptures that God's glory is seen? How is the power of God's glory revealed in the scriptures? I think... That's one of the most wonderful things uh, that really uh, changed my, my whole understanding of God's glory. Many times when God makes himself known to people with some display of glory, I mean, excuse me, some display of power in his glory, um, I won't touch on all of them but just some key ones here uh my mind goes to the first time that he appeared to moses in a burning bush and it's his his glory in that bush but it's a fire it's a burning it's a brilliance it's something that is not is beyond human experience because it doesn't consume it's a fire that doesn't consume a bush when god appeared to moses on mount sinai and to all of israel there was a power there described in terms of lightning flashes and the mountain shaking and roaring sound filled the air and, and fire and darkness at the same time. Uh, you have um, God's glory appearing to, and it uses the word glory again, uh, appearing to Ezekiel and 
a violent dark storm. You have again lightning flashes, a, a roar that uh, just about shatters eardrums. You have uh, living angelic creatures um, beyond comparison. You have the full spectrum of light, uh, just power. Even uh, when Jesus was transfigured, you have this blinding light brighter than the noonday sun. You have Jesus' appearance after his resurrection to John in Revelation. You have um, the kind of burning fire, roaring voice that calls, causes him to fall down as a, as, as a dead man. So all these displays of power, which uh, even in the book, uh, I, I say, makes me think of... Um, an atomic bomb blast, kind of like the, the closest uh, metaphor that we have from modern experience. But at the same time, so you have this power, but at the same time, at the heart of all that power, God says, when he revealed himself to Moses on the mountain, he says, Here, here's my glory. And you can only see a glimpse of it, because if you see the full thing, you'll die. Here's my glory, passes by, and we're expecting the roar, the explosion. And yeah, there is a brilliant that light, that power, but God said, it's my goodness, my compassion, my mercy, my justice, his character. Put the two together. See, th this is the part that is, is, is overwhelming to me. God's glory is not just his character, his goodness, all the traits that make him what he is but is at the same time each of those characteristics is powerful we talk about um these characteristics of god like mercy or love or compassion in the only way really that we can fathom them and that's usually in an expression of an act something that god does something that is merciful something that is loving the ultimate, of course, being for us as believers, the cross of Christ, where he demonstrated his love through Jesus. But the truth is, if God did absolutely no act of love or mercy or, or justice, he would be love and mercy and compassion, his character and all the other traits with a power that if we were to come into the presence of his love, as God told Moses, you would die because you do not share that same power of love, not acts of love, but power of love, an eternal uh, intensity of love that is higher than the heavens, deeper uh, than the grave, broader than the universe with a roaring power. I like um, I like I uh, I don't think I'll from memory get it exactly right, but Bruce Ware said something. He said that the love of God is not first the warmth of the shepherd's care, but rather the searing fire of his love that can tolerate nothing less. So when God says nothing will separate you from the love 
of God in Christ Jesus. When scripture says that, to understand that glory of his love is not just what he has done in Jesus, it's who he is, his identity, that his love is so intense, so powerful, so perfect, beyond even what the entire universe can contain, even if he did nothing. When he makes a promise like this, nothing will ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It is absolute. It is backed by an infinite power that can do, can tolerate nothing less. That's, yeah, that's, that's so good. It's so interesting to me also how, how who God is, that like his, his very character is so connected with, uh, with his glory. Like that's, it's wrapped up in that. That's, that's where his glory is. And it's so powerful. And like, like you said in your book, you used a few words like, uh, like sensory overload. I think that was maybe your subtitle of the one, the one chapter. And that's exactly like, we can't, our senses can't even comprehend that full glory. That's why Moses couldn't, couldn't see it. He couldn't see the full glory. And yeah. it's beyond understanding is the other subtitle I believe you had there too. It's just, it's crazy. The power of, of God's glory is just amazing. Well, we, you talked a little bit about this before as well, but uh, how, does, how does the glory of God compare to, to the glory engineered by man? What, what's the, of course, we have the bit of the comparison. Uh, one comes from our treasure naturally as man is in what we do where God's treasure is in who he is. But, but is there any, any other comparisons or contrast between the glory of God and the glory engineered by man? Yeah. Um, let me develop that, just at what we've already said, just one step further there. Mm -hmm. So understanding really God's glory in terms of his absolute perfection, not just pretty goodness <laughs> but his perfection of character that is that is burning with power even if he did nothing and to understand again going back to that psalm 8 passage where david reflects on creation and says what is man that you are mindful of him that you crowned him with glory and honor so going back to that creation made in his likeness and image we had his glory that was part of our identity made in his likeness and image and then when you look through scripture to say so what is it like when his glory shows up there's this brilliant light i mean even with jesus when it describes him when you're starting to see more of his glory, it, it comes through the pores of his skin. Uh, it's a brighter than sun. It's, but it's from the depth of inside character that is absolutely perfect and right and holy. So if we were made that way, then probably Adam and Eve, I, I, I suspect they were shining beings powerful beings and a purity of character in the moment that they sinned bam the lights went out 
and they needed a covering. And like I said, the first thing they grabbed was fig leaves and how pathetic compared to the glory they had. And from that point on, humanity has always been trying to do something to regain that lost identity. When Paul writes in Romans 3, uh, 3.23, about for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, really uh, the way that the greek reads understand it is all sinned going back to the garden and not just fall short like we can't quite measure up but we lack the glory of god the lights have gone out it's it's gone that's who we are but we're, we're trying to to do works or something to regain that which we can't because it was God's gift from the beginning. And we cannot, re we can't remake that. So here, here's the beauty of it. So that puts it, uh, God's glory in our attempts, in, just in opposite sides here. The beauty of it is the wonder, the, the, the wonder of the grace of glory is that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, and Paul describes it so wonderfully in, in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, that in the depths of our spirit and soul, the spirit relights the glory. And Paul describes it as, here we are, cracked clay pots, but the, the glory has been relit in us. The fire has started again. And it said, Paul writes that we are beholding, in fact, in Christ, that glory, and the pilot, the, by the Spirit, relit, that we are being transformed from glory to glory. In other words, becoming more and more like what we were from the beginning when we put fuel on that pilot through our response to God's revelation of glory in an obedience that then gives that character back to him. The fire gets brighter and more intense as it were inside of us. John writes in, I'm sorry, I'm going all over the place here, but I get excited about this. But John writes uh, uh, the same kind of thing in First John 3. He says, beloved, right now we are the children of God, but it doesn't appear what we will be. But we know we will... When we see him as he is, I'm paraphrasing a bit here, we will be like him when we see him as he is. And whoever has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. The fact is that the, it's, the glory has been relit inside. Our spirit is alive. Our soul is being transformed with the very character of God. It's a character with a power because of his own presence, the divine nature that it's not just calling us to do things to, to achieve a glory, a, 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 um, a perfection of character. It's the power of the Spirit already in us. And when we get new bodies, Scripture describes us that we will appear in glory as he is in glory. And that's not a place. That's the condition. And it's even going to explode. We are described as saints in light. I believe we'll be like him we will see him as he is as jesus was shining light we will be in light again it's not about the light it's about the identity the character we will be like we were made to be in the beginning 
And if you are a believer in Jesus, that light has already been lit. It's not just a future thing. It's a now thing. And that changes everything for us as believers in Jesus. It's not about doing. It's about who we are already. And that, that's so great. And that leads, I think, really well into uh, the, the last question here, which is, what should our response be to God's glory then? If we, if we have that pilot on already inside, what, what is our response to God's glory? How do we glorify God now? When we talk about giving God glory, and we use that in conversation, we sing it in a song, um, it comes across, and, and I think a lot of us are still thinking, um, to give him praise, to give him thanks. But let's come back to the same meaning, which is it's, it's the greatest treasure, which is God himself on display for others to see. So to give God glory is to display his character. What's our response to be to God's glory? Well, first of all, we need to have, um, as it were, eyes and ears open every single day of our lives to say, what is God showing me about himself today? We can't see his full glory yet and live. It's unapproachable light. But he gives us glimpses in the things that he does. He gives us glimpses already by the work of the Spirit in us in in effect, making us glimpses of his glory to other people. Now, there's the key. As Jesus says, so let your light, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. In other words, see, and it's not our doing good works. It's the pilot light lit transformation started the character of God. Let them see that so that they then will witness a glimpse of God's glory in you and give him the glory, recognizing, ah, that's what God is like. To say it another way, giving God glory is simply doing and saying things that show others this is what God is like. This is what my greatest treasure, our greatest treasure, God, is like in his character. And um, I don't want to take much time here, but when, when I did the survey through Scripture to find out, okay, giving God glory, are there any kind of common denominators here as to what that means, how we do that? And it really came down to three things. Proclamation. Uh, this letting your light shine, a proclamation of this is who God is. And purity, secondly. So that whoever has his hope will purify himself just as he is pure. The idea of um, letting the light of that glory, the character of God, consume us so that the things that don't belong to his character no longer dominate us or are seen as our identity, things of sin, of flesh. So proclamation, purity, and then perseverance. So often, um, the reminders of God's glory, who he is, and a reminder that God has given us his glory are in context of, so don't give up. Persevere, because what you have right now is soon going to be 
beyond imagination in the full display of glory that you will be like him in that fullness. His gift is so great. You've just tasted it. Don't give up. Persevere. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. He's the one who's restored us to glory. And boy, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to be far beyond even what scripture is able to 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 tell these teacup brains that we have <laughs> it's going to ex not just overflow but explode it's it's going to be amazing yeah yeah well thank you so much mr powers for taking the time to to sit down and share with us about uh what you've learned and observed about the glory of god as you as you've written in your book and i guess one last question obviously this is just a very very brief synopsis of of your book that really only touched the surface, but if people were interested in digging deeper into the topic of the glory of God, how might they get a hold of your book? Probably uh, the the one of the quickest ways to get it. You can order it through Word Alive Press Bookstore. You can go online for that. Word Alive Press or Amazon. Or you can just contact me personally. I have some copies here that I would be glad to get to you well that that's so good and i would i would really encourage anybody listening to this to to buy a copy i read the book it, it was so good it was really informative really helpful in helping me understand better the, the glory of god and so thank you once again mr powers for joining us it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast thank you so much joe next week we will continue our podcast series of topics pertaining to the book of ephesians so be sure to join us then and until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and forever. So long.